applying ourselves to, uh, not just believing that the Buddha is best and that we're lucky to have the Buddha as our teacher, that's nowhere near enough, or, or even just believing in the Four Noble Truths is nowhere near enough. There are these skillful means that have been pointed out, explained, and commented on by the Buddha and the great teachers, and it's up to us to uh, apply ourselves to them. So, so this evening, there's one particular list referred to, I was commenting there on the, the uh, five ways of removing distracting thoughts, which I would highly recommend that you familiarize yourself with, and, and maybe some of you have already come across a, a, a commentary on this sutta by Ajahn Tiradamo, which could find very useful. I don't want to go into this particular presentation literally. However, something like what I feel as a kind of simplified version of this, like identifying, identifying a variety of approaches to the obstructions that we come across in our practice. So again, what? Traditionally, it's called the kilesa, the, the obstructions that we find in our practice, in our life. Do we just make the same kind of effort on every occasion? You know, have one technique, and we just apply this technique to all situations all the time. Well, if we do that, that's overly simplistic, and we need to be more agile than that. And so some of you will have heard me talk about this before, this approach that I find useful is thinking in terms of the level of intensity and complexity of the obstruction. Is it a low grade, medium high grade, or super high grade obstruction? And depending on what sort of obstruction that we've encountered, then we change our approach. And, and the terms that, that I use when talking about this is the, the low grade one is cutting through, uh, the reasonably high grade one is seeing through, and then the super high grade obstruction of burning through. So, so when we come across obstructions in practice, uh, it can be very useful to just step back and look at it is this something that we can just cut through and just say, no, not interested, not doing business with you? Is it something that's more complex, got more energy that we need to really pay attention to? Is it something really in, really deep, really heavy, really going to require a lot of care? Without this kind of discernment, as I was saying, we can just be applying some kind of reactive, this is what this teacher told me to do, and so we just do it. And, and it may work sometimes, however, it may not work. And in fact, worse than not work, we can, we can be compounding the obstructions and making things more difficult for ourselves. So, cutting through, seeing through, burning through, cutting through, and again, there's a low-grade obstruction, not a lot of energy in it. It's not very complex. Uh, seeing through, where there's much 
much more energy involved, some momentum there, some complexity in there. This is going to take some work. And then burning through, this expression burning through, it comes from the expression that the Buddha talked about patient endurance is the supreme austerity and tapo titika is the expression that he of tapo, tapo titika huh? the ultimate austerity and the word there tapa is comes from the, the, the word fire because often it's the case that when we're dealing with something that's really intense a lot of energy in it it can feel like we're burning and we have to sometimes endure that. However, to identify it as this is this kind of grade obstruction. This has been triggered. This has been activated. We need to be super careful. And so considering these more carefully, I would like to uh, apply this analysis, uh, cutting through, seeing through, burning through, in reference to, again, one of those lists that I mentioned a minute ago, the three fires or the three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion. Now, I'm aware that presenting these lists and this kind of an analysis, this kind of an approach, could risk becoming like an academic lecture on Buddhism. I hope we don't go in that direction. This is a a feeling inquiry. How does this apply in my case? Not just thinking about greed or craving, not just thinking about anger, not just thinking about delusion, but remembering, reflecting on how do I deal with greed, craving, when it arises? Is this something that I can skillfully take full responsibility for? Or do I just apply some kind of automatic technique that I read in a Buddhist book or heard from some Buddhist expert and hope that it's going to go away? If it's the latter, well, well, we could end up being very disappointed. If it's the former, well, that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is the practice, yes developing some skill and using the upaya or the skillful means of focusing attention on on mindful breathing and breathing out and and experiencing hopefully a degree of, of stillness and calm that can be very nourishing and wonderful however there's much much more much much more to a practice than that that's just the introduction that's that's just that's just the book cover that's you know that's that's the introduction. The book, what we read, is life. With all its intensity, all its entanglements, all its complexity, all its regrets, and all its agreeable and disagreeableness. So to meet the agreeableness and the disagreeableness of life, we need a, a, a great degree of agility. Looking at these three fires or three poisons as the Buddha referred to them greed hatred and delusion from the perspective of these three different approaches cutting through seeing through burning through so the first one was greed or craving
if it's a low-level mood, some irritating, craving, greedy motivation, not very complex, seen it before, oh yeah, it's this one, this is a this is a cutting through, and it just what do we do? We register it. We notice it. All oh, right, and not a big deal. I've seen this one before. Yes, this, this is what happens every time I see ice cream. I want to eat it. Lots of fat, lots of sugar. It drives the brain crazy. Doesn't do me any good. No, not going to eat it. So just, of course, I like it. Why would you not like it? It's likable. Just cut it out. Is it? No. It's like if you're having having a meaningful conversation with somebody at a gathering and then and then somebody else comes along and tries to interrupt your conversation and it's, it's, you're not going to deal with them. You know, you've, you've already got this conversation going with somebody that's important and you want to continue this conversation. So you turn to the intruder and very politely you say, not now. You're not rude with them, hopefully. You just say, not now. If they keep persisting, and hassling you, all right, okay, so this obstruction has got more energy in it. This is more complex. This is, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this. And so so that means the cutting through approach is not going to work. So here we are with, with greed, with craving. Somewhat more intense obstruction has occurred and we need to apply a different sort of effort. This is find your own words, or what I refer to seeing through, which basically means we've got to study it. We've got to turn away from, if it's formal meditation, we've got to turn away from formal meditation object and look at this obstruction, or if it's in everyday life, we've got to register, all right, this has got some intensity to it. I can't just withdraw attention and just say, no, not now, ignore it. That's not going to work. To do that, could make things worse. So, okay, this is one of those. This is one of those grades of obstruction, the seeing through grade of craving. Maybe, for instance, to use an example, it's if you've got an appointment, say, maybe uh, you have an appointment at your workplace to see your boss, and you know that you're going to have to say something to your boss that you don't want to say and maybe your boss doesn't want to hear it. However, it's time to say it and you're the person to say it and this is challenging. And and the, your work colleagues agree you're the person to say it, that the conditions and the work environment are not okay and your boss needs to know about it and take some responsibility for it. And, and so you need to have this conversation and, and you really want to be successful. You really don't want to betray your colleagues and you really don't want to fail and in other words you're completely clinging to being successful and there's a lot of intensity there and and it could border on being greedy like I'm going to tell this guy I really I'm going to tell this woman whoever your boss is I'm going to tell them this is not okay and there's some real energy there and how do we deal with that well first thing to do is to, as I said, to register this is intense. Let's not just try and bypass this. Let's not just push through this. Cutting through is not the way to handle something this complex. And maybe you're sitting there outside waiting for your appointment, sweating. Your hands are sweating and you're 
and you you all the energy is up in your head and say, what's going on here? I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not stupid. I've talked to the boss before. What, what, what's this reaction? Well, we study it. We look at it. In some situations where we have such a, a uh, an appointment or such an encounter ahead of us, some, a task that we have to perform, yeah, if we've got time, then we study it beforehand. We don't wait until we're right there in the situation. We, we run through it in our minds beforehand, like maybe in the privacy of our own room. Just say, well, this is what's going on. I have to have this conversation. I don't want to. There's fear. There's desire. I really want to be able to say this thing. I want to be obeyed. Wow, that's interesting. I want to get what I want. That's interesting. Maybe we even start to get in touch with something that's a bit deeper. If we really study this and feel into it, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, in our bodies, start to feel into what's really going, why am I making such a big deal out of this conversation? It's just a conversation that needs to happen and I'm capable of doing it. Why am I making such a big deal out of it? And and if we're inquiring in a skillful way, really studying it, maybe we get in touch with the fact that we've got a history of avoiding the fear of not being heard by people in authority. That's very common and very normal in our world. Grow up in a situation where perhaps even was the case that even our parents never heard us, never saw us, and instead of really recognizing that and dealing with it, which is perfectly understandable, happens to you when you're small, you don't have the skills to know what's going on, and by the time you do have the intelligence and the perception to reflect on these things, you've already got a big backlog, and here we are again, DDB, Denied Dukkha Backlog, we are talking about a couple of weeks ago, the DDB, the Denied Dukkha Backlog, and maybe that's fueling this obstruction, maybe that's why there's so much energy, so this is what we study. We're not just cutting through anymore. That doesn't work in this situation. If there's a backlog of denied dukkha, like in this case, denied desire to be understood, I want to be seen, I want to be heard, we need to be cautious about that. Not just saying, it shouldn't be this way. I should be an adult. I should be able to handle it. No, no. If there's energy there, it's got to be met. Met in the whole body-mind. need to acknowledge it. And one way of acknowledging it is actually to give it a voice. And this, again, is the skillful means of wise reflection. So whether it's sitting outside the door of your boss waiting for the interview, or whether it's the night before in your room preparing yourself for this difficult encounter, you can give a voice to it. What is it that I really feel about this? And what it is, is that I want you to listen to me. That's what I want. That's what I really want. And quite wonderfully, just saying that, just bringing that into awareness, means you stop fighting it. It's energy. It's perfectly natural, particularly for children, to really want to be seen, want to be heard. And if they didn't get that kind of attention, it can build up and become a backlog, and then you can't even have it. 
a functional relationship with somebody in a position of authority because we've got this backlog. So using our practice in this way when we encounter something like intense desire, in this case using this as an example, the desire to be successful in a conversation or to be heard, to be appreciated, maybe that's what Maybe that's what we've got going on. I want you to appreciate me. Maybe what you really want to say to your boss is, I want you to find me absolutely amazing. <laughs> now, of course, we're exaggerating here, but that can also be skillful. You know, to really exaggerate these voices that we have within ourselves and listen to them. And this is very different from just bringing attention back to the breath focusing on the meditation object or whatever other strategy of cutting through we might want to apply. This is studying. This is studying the dukkha, the sensation in our hearts, in our bodies, in our minds, meeting it until we're able to really receive it and put our hands together in Anjali and welcome it. Welcome the intensity of the desire Desire is just energy. It's not like a, a volcano or a bolt of lightning. Or something. It's our heart energy. It's within us. It's our own energy. How do we open up? How do we meet? How do we greet? How do we optimize this opportunity for purifying our hearts free from this DDB, the denied dukkha backlog, yeah. all the obstructions, all the kilesa that we've accumulated? How do we use this fire, this energy? Well, these are some suggestions. And we come into conscious relationship with wanting. I want... Not indulging, of course, that's going to the other extreme. The old habit is maybe the habit of denial. That's not going to work. However, the opposite of the indulgence, that's not going to the middle way of being there in the middle uh, of this intensity really owning where we're at it's like this not indulging, not denying that's the effort, that's the intention until we can greet it and meet it and allow it and and come into, as I said a conscious relationship to it and, and not struggle with it so seeing through welcoming the intensity into open-hearted awareness until we're no longer struggling with it. And then you walk into the boss and sit down and you're all there and you hopefully have a rewarding, meaningful conversation. Then there's the next level whereby cutting through, seeing through are not going to work. It's the level of burning through. And that's where we need to register, oh, there's too much energy here to try and engage it. Yeah. Where the Buddha talks about dealing with distracting thoughts, he talks about how you have that degree of intensity. It's like somebody who's drunk or crazy. You don't try and have a conversation with them and talk sense. You just hold them down so they don't hurt themselves or hurt anybody else. You contain, in other words, you contain the intensity. You acknowledge, you register, all right, this is really intense. And so that might mean, in our case, you know, not trying to think about it. Don't go up into your head and, and think about these things too much. You just 
got a container, that might mean going for a long walk. So choosing to not engage it in a way whereby the energy goes up into our head, that's important. So cutting through, seeing through, burning through with regards to craving or greed. And then cutting through, seeing through, burning through with regards to hatred. If it's the first level, like just a degree of aversion for somebody that you've looked at before, and say, I know what that is, it's not particularly intense, it's, it's not a big deal, there's no big backlog there, it's just like, oh, it's that an irritating mood again, so just say no, just say no, not dealing with it, not giving it any attention, in other words, withdrawing attention from it. And then the second level, where we need to work, where we recognize there's some intensity there, degree of not just aversion which might be quite understandable but a degree of hatred where we're lost in the aversion and we're getting all hot and bothered about how spiteful we feel towards somebody and particularly if we find that's disproportionate somebody says something that perhaps is a little bit dismissive and we just explosion goes off inside of us and we're furious and how dare they treat me like that well that's interesting that we need to register as the seeing through level of intensity this is more complex, this has got more energy in it and just just saying not now, just turning away from it just withdrawing energy is not going to work we need to be willing to study it and acknowledge that there's intensity there and preparing ourselves again like I was saying before if we have a difficult challenge something we have ahead of us we've got to maybe meet somebody that you know, we feel intense aversion or hatred towards we don't wait until we get there we prepare ourselves in advance preparation is a, a very big part of this stage of practice Last week, there was uh, the son of a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, was was engaged in climbing Mount Everest, and he's been preparing for this for ages. and And my friend was explaining to me how the way they they go through it, not just physical preparation and the months building up to it, but even once they get there on the mountain, they they climb up to this camp, and then they come down again. They climb up a little bit further, then they come down again. It's naive to think that you can just go for the summit straight away. The body needs to be acclimatized to this process of ascending to the summit. And likewise, in our encounters with our polluted awareness or our defiled heart, to use that language, where we have denied anger stored away, and to the point where it's turned toxic, turned into hatred. How do we approach it? Well, if we're naive, we just open right up to it and just, come on, let's get sort this out. That's not skillful. We can hurt ourselves. If we don't do anything about it, we just push it down. And Somebody was explaining to me recently how, I, was, I think it was a relative of theirs, 
just regularly getting furiously angry about becoming forgetful about things. I guess they're, I don't know, in their 80s or something, and, and their memory wasn't what it used to be. And, and this person would just fly into a rage about their memory. And what's, what's going on there? Uh, probably you've come across this, or maybe you experience it yourself. Where you're watching the television and you, you see some particular politician pretty blatantly lying uh, on the television. And, and then you feel this anger flare up, this rage flare up. And we can get, get really hurt. We can really hurt ourselves. We're not hurting the politician. We're not hurting the television set. We're hurting our own hearts. What's going on there? Well, again, we, this is, we can't just cut through this and just say, I wish I wasn't like this, or you know, everything's impermanent. This is a level where we need to study it. This is the seeing through level of, of, of hatred. And we need to be skillful in encountering our own heart energy, coming into conscious relationship with it again. Big part of it is learning how to not fight it, just to really own it. Own the anger. This is my anger. If you've read too much Buddhism and and you you think that you're going to apply the teachings on anatta to your anger, and so anger is not self. Anger is not self. It's probably not going to work. Maybe later on that might work. However, at this stage. What's more likely to work is accepting full responsibility for your anger. Say, this is my anger. This is my heart energy. I take full responsibility for this. And to reflect on it, using our minds, just indulging in this anger, does becoming angry really bring benefit to me or to the world? Pretty clearly it doesn't. That gets a disincentive going. And little by little, undoing our habit of denying anger, of resisting it. As we were growing up and we probably hurt ourselves from getting angry, we, most of us developed to some degree a habit of denying it, of pushing it down, pushing it into unawareness. And this is what happens when something we don't like occurs and we get triggered and we flare up and into a rage over something really quite minor, like a piece of technology not working, or somebody ignoring us, having an overreaction. So let's understand what's going on there, and let's prepare ourselves so that we are able to not just manage it, but really benefit from the energy to the point where, again, as I was saying before, Put your hands together in Anjali and say, Welcome, purifying energy. Purify my heart from all habits of resistance. Really open the heart, open the chest. Take a deep in-breath and symbolically creating the space for all this intensity. And rather than running around in our heads trying to figure out how we can get away from this awful experience of hatred. Owning it. Taking full responsibility for it. And the third level of burning through, again, if you have such a big backlog of denied 
dukkha of this particular flavor, then we need to acknowledge that. If it's too intense level of rage, whatever you do, don't start thinking about it. Don't sit there trying to meditate your way through it. Go for a long walk or go for a swim or or find somebody to talk to. Hmm. There is a time when we need to humbly admit that actually this is more than I can handle. This is where we can, uh, or one of the many ways in which we can appreciate our our spiritual companions. And remember, you probably heard me talk before about an occasion where I went to see Ajahn Chah and, and about some terrible difficulties I was having. And, and he just looked at me and he said, Oh, I've been there. Just that can be wonderfully helpful when you're feeling overwhelmed and to meet somebody who has been through the fires of feeling like they're about to be overwhelmed and survive them and to recognize what's happening for you and to not judge you. You say, oh, I've been there. That's a, that's a gift. That's a, a beautiful gift. So then the third of the three fires, delusion, moha, in Pali, cutting through, burning through, seeing through, burning through. So if it's a low-grade level of moha, just some mild degree of worry, fear, anxiety, and, and just, oh, yes, I've seen this one before, I've looked at that, there's no great depth to it, no great momentum to it, so just withdraw attention. And if it's the next level, where it's not going away by withdrawing attention, then we've got to study it. And again, we get interested. Not studying it because that's what the teacher told us to do, or studying it because that's what the book said we should do. Rather, studying it because we know that's the only way through this. We we get interested. Here's a message, this dukkha, this... This dissatisfaction, this pain has got something to teach me. Just to react against it out of preference and saying, I don't like it, I wish it would go away, who's to blame for this, all of that. That's that's not practice. That's the opposite of practice. Rather getting interested in it and, and studying it and looking at the games we play with ourselves. Again, to quote Ajahn Chah, an experience I had once where this was when I had had surgery on both my knees in, in Thailand and, and the surgery didn't work out like I hoped, like the doctors had said it was going to take just a couple of weeks and it ended up after two months and three lots of surgery, you know, going into general anaesthetic and ripping the scar tissue twice and and it was a thoroughly altogether disagreeable experience. And after two months, I still couldn't even get on the floor and bow properly to Ajahn Chah. And I was complaining about how it shouldn't be this way. And Ajahn Chah just looks at me and just says, well, if it shouldn't be this way, it wouldn't be this way. There's causes for it to be this way. There's causes. This game that we're playing, this story that we've got going here, it shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't be unwell. I should be together. I shouldn't be suffering. Where does all this stuff come from? Well, maybe we don't know where it came from, but to notice that it's, we've got this loop 
playing in our head, I shouldn't be, I should be. That's not going to disappear by just holding to some belief system. Rather, it requires directing our attention inwards until we start to see the games that we're playing. Feeling inwards, not just thinking, you know, a feeling inquiry into where is the resistance, this fear of uncertainty, this fear of uncertainty, this fear of being unsafe. Do we have the open-hearted awareness, the presence of attention in the body to be able to welcome that feeling of uncertainty, of, of being unsafe, of being unclear? Can we just allow that to be there and feel its utter disagreeableness without any judgment, without saying it shouldn't be there? No judgment. Yes, it hurts. Yes, we don't understand it. Yes, we want to go away. Do we have to keep fighting it? Or can we prepare ourselves with this quality of awareness, with this quality of compassion? You know, the Buddha's the skillful means of the four Brahmaviharas, Amita, Karuna, Mudita, Upekara. Preparing our, our attention, imbuing our attention with these qualities. So you know, when there's intense suffering of fear of uncertainty, like maybe I'm never going to recover from this condition. And that can trigger a deep feeling of feeling threatened. Can we open our hearts with compassion for ourselves and simply feel that pain? Or do we close our hearts down and struggle and fight and reject and try to get rid of it? So I'd suggest that preparing ourselves in advance again, like in this case the seeing through the second level of intensity of delusion, the very skillful means of, of coming to terms with with uh, dealing with the pollutions of our heart. We all have our hearts, all of us have got pollutions. We've all got calaces, defilements to deal with. That's, that's what we're doing here. Yeah. How do we skillfully meet them? Well, we don't just hope it's going to go away. We don't just turn to believing in stories that we've been told, even including spiritual stories. Rather, we become competent in these very skillful means so that we can meet ourselves again, put our hands together in Anjali and say, welcome the fires of greed, hatred and delusion purify my awareness from all habits of resistance and then the third level of intensity, of complexity with regards to delusion burning through once again and having the readiness, having the humility to sometimes no this is too much. Just get on the phone and ring somebody. Hopefully you don't wait until you're already in crisis before you cultivate spiritual companionship. This is something came up yesterday in a conversation we were having down in Kusla House that 
one between the Venerable Ananda and the Lord Buddha, where the Buddha was talking about how important spiritual companionship is. We don't wait until we're in crisis, hopefully, before we develop spiritual companions. And the spiritual companions we have, we develop them, we value them, we appreciate them. And then if we find ourselves on the edge of overwhelm, we've got somebody we can turn to. So, once again this evening, reflecting on the different potential approaches for the obstructions we find in practice, whether it's low grade, not terribly significant, medium high grade, something we've got to work on, or serious high grade difficulty, let's not wait until we're in the middle of it before we prepare ourselves for these encounters. So I hope this evening these suggestions with regards to developing various upaya or skillful means is supportive in your practice. Thank you very much for your attention.